0: Hey everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. Um, It was a funny Monday morning for me. We got back from Young Life Camp on Sunday night, and that was my last day of about 15 years of work in Young Life. And I don't know that I've really transitioned workplaces as an adult in my life. And so waking up Monday, it was like, oh, what is this? And one of the things that I had on my to-do list was write sermon. (laughs) And underneath that were bullet points. I've not had a lot of Monday mornings like this. The two bullet points were you need to introduce yourself and you need to talk about the Lord. (laughs) And I sat staring at my computer for a long time. And it's one of those moments of terror when you enter a new job, I assume, this is the first time I've done it, where you go, oh Lord, maybe I'm not up for this. And then um, I'm just so delighted, and then he filled the space. And I pray that he will continue to do that over and over again. So as I was thinking, sorry, I'm a little emotional, because gosh, was, thank you, um, by way of introducing myself, I'm going to talk about my kids in just a second. We're, I hope that I get to be here for a long time with y'all. You're going to get to know me. But as, as I chatted with the Lord and said, what do we talk about? He just said, bring the word. And so can I, is it okay? Like, I'll introduce myself as we continue to get to know each other. But can we, can we get into the word today? You good to go with me there? Okay, we're going. Okay. Okay, before we get there, about my kids. I woke up on Wednesday morning, and this news article was in my feed. Did you know that Disney World caught fire this week? Yeah, I know. That was my response. I was like, I got to read this. What happened? Turns out it's not that big of a deal, although it was Cinderella's castle. It's not like they could burn down It's a Small World, and that would be fine. Like, (laughs) I would hope the firefighters would roll up and be like, oh, yeah, give it a minute. Give it a minute. Cinderella's castle, that can't burn. <laughs> that, that, that needs to stay. There was one casualty uh, in this fire, and it was the security guard. As I'm imagining the scene, it's just the best. So, so he was sent to the hospital for inhaling the, exting- the fire extinguisher fumes. <laughs> so I'm just imagining the security guard sees Cinderella's castle on fire, charges over, grabs the fire extinguisher, and just full Rambo like, I got it, everybody, you know? <clears throat> <clears throat> hospital. <laughs> But as you're reading this article, there's, there's fire trucks that are driving down Main Street, and it's evening. And so it's the time where the parade should be happening, and I'm sure little kids are like, this is great! And every adult is like, this is not great. This is not the parade, you guys. Putting myself in the mental space of what would it be like to be a parent? I mean, it's this time of year, right? Everybody who's there, it's, this is their Christmas gift to their kids and as as an adult you know what it should be like to be in the magical kingdom it's the most magical place on earth they pipe in aromas to a park that's like square miles big right like this this place should be the best and as a parent to be watching fire trucks run alarm sound people panic This is not the Christmas that you would have been wanting to give to your kids. So I was driving my boys to school on Wednesday morning, and I was telling them the story. And totally shooting from the hip, was just like, what would you guys do if if we were at Disney World and it caught on fire? This is like, (laughs) this is such a great case study in birth order psychology. I love this. You're going to love this. My oldest son, Brogan, he's 11. Brogan goes, I just run around screaming. (laughs) Great. My second son goes, I'd go find a stick and a marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> and then my youngest son, Oakes, who's four, um, he's quiet. And finally, everybody, we're done like laughing at, at Deacon. And I go, Oaks, what do you think? If Disneyland caught on fire and we were there, what would you do? And he goes, well, I think I'd go find Mickey Mouse and give him a hug. Yeah, I know, right? Like, yeah, you're cute, you're four, and you say things like that. It's not fair, but I think um, part of why that story caught my eye is because that feels like Christmas to me as an adult, and I don't know if you'll resonate with this, but I feel like as a kid, we would wake up on Christmas morning, my brother and I would stay up all night conniving different ways where we could trap Santa at midnight in the act of putting gifts under the tree. Awesome, especially for little boys. Christmas morning would come and there's just presents everywhere. And we'd sit as a family in our pajamas just eating cinnamon rolls and laughing and opening gifts. Especially as we got to be teenagers, notes would then be attached. That would bring us to tears. It was magic. And then we'd leave from there and that, that night or the next day, we'd go to our, to our grandparents' house and all of our cousins would be there and it would be incredible, just time with family. The next day we'd wake up and go to another set of grandparents' houses. It was Christmas as a kid was magic the magical kingdom of Christmas. And I don't know that I can necessarily put a finger on it, but probably sometime around college, things started to shift for me. And I think especially the last several years as an adult, Christmas comes with a sense of, yeah, but Monday morning's coming soon. We gotta get back to work. Yeah, Christmas is here, but the world is just kind of on fire. Alarms are sounding in places where there used to be a parade. Now it just seems like something's wrong, and I wish I could get back to how it used to be. And I think as I've engaged that honestly with the Lord, he said, actually, you don't want that. You don't want to go back to the place of being a child because you are now grown. But it doesn't mean that the magic of Christmas dies. It just means that it changes. And so we're going to jump into a piece of text. This is the same 10 verses we're going to do on Christmas Eve. Y'all, there's like 10 sermons in here easy, so you're only getting two. Buckle up, because this is really exciting. Um, But before we jump in, we're all angels and shepherds. That's where we're going to be camping out for the next week. And there's a couple things you need to know about the players in today's story. First off, these shepherds, and you may have heard this before. Politically, they're oppressed. They're living in the era of the Roman Empire. They have very few rights to begin with as Jewish people, but now you're shepherds and you're knocked down one more rung, which then socially, they're just generally not that welcome in a lot of spaces. They were not at the top of the party list. They were not the ones bringing wide elephants. They were generally pushed to the outside. And as Jewish people, most of that is because if you were a shepherd, if you spent that much time outdoors with animals, you were unclean. You couldn't come to church on a Sunday morning. You'd have to spend six days washing yourself, cleansing yourself before you were ready to be in a room of people like this. To be a shepherd was a pretty rough job <laughs> in a lot of ways. So that's our first set of characters. I think these were a group of folks who really understood this idea of Disneyland's on fire. The world really hard. It's a tough place to be. The second group of people are these angels who in the book of Luke where we're going to be keep popping up like whack-a-moles all over the place at at the beginning. Mary is this teenage girl and pop, here's this angel and there's this cadence to each time an angel pops up. The person freaks out. (laughs) The angel says, don't freak out. The angel shares with them some form of news. Then they say, and here's something I am inviting you to obey The person obeys, and then they can't help but share the news with everybody. That happens to Mary, and then it happens to Joseph, and then it happens to Elizabeth and to Zechariah, and now all of a sudden we've got these these sweet shepherds minding their own business on the side of a hill. Pop! Whack-a-mole, okay? So we should be seeing a similar cadence happening there, and we're going to circle back on that cadence in just a second. But before we do, the main event... If you have your Bible with you, turn to to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. If you have it on your phone, I would encourage you, pull that out and follow along. I think having the text physically in your hand, whether it's digital or physical, it matters. And so, have that around as we continue to do work together. Today, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. You can catch up if you're still getting there. And it says this. And I have the message translation because it's accessible. There were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises, glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over, let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger and seeing was believing they told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Oh, you guys, there's, this is a blockbuster. This is, I mean, there's so much goodness going on in here. Okay, a couple things. Um, what is the deal with Luke and whack-a-mole angels? Why is he doing this over and over again? People freak out. They're told not to freak out. They're told some news. They're invited to obey. They obey. They can't stop sharing the news. When, as I was sitting with this, like, the Lord just gave me a picture. And he said, "It's kind of like a hall of mirrors. This is what Luke's doing." I don't know if you've ever had a mirror. My parents had this in their bedroom, and my brother and I used to like see how many of ourselves we could see. It's super narcissistic, now that I think about it. And um, what Luke is doing is saying to his readers, the first century church, "This is a message to you guys." A message from heaven has come to you, and if you're really looking at square in the face, it's going to freak you out. Don't be afraid. Keep reading. As you read, you're going to hear some news. Then you're going to be asked to obey something. Then you're going to obey something, and then as you do, you're not going to be able to help but share it with everybody around. How beautiful is that? Of course, Luke, who's going, I'm not going to just write the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to write Acts. He's trying to launch these young Christians on, here's what it means to follow Jesus. It's going to be scary. Don't be afraid. Listen to the story. Then obey the story and trust that as you do, you're not going to be able to contain it to yourself. I love that in the genius of God as he gave us scripture, that Luke is saying that these shepherds experience that. Then this initial crowd who gets to read Luke reads that. And then the next crowd that reads Luke gets that. And I hope that you feel a little bit stuck to the wall today to know that a a message from heaven has come to you. And if you look at it square in the face in this Christmas season, you should be terrified, but don't be. Listen to the news that it brings. Obey what it says to do, and then trust that in obeying, you won't be able to keep it to yourself. That's what he's up to. He's setting up a hall of mirrors. Okay, then... (laughs) This word manger gets repeated three times. Usually, if you're an, a New Testament writer, repetition means pay attention to this thing. Just to highlight this, this is so strange because it's the God of heaven, it's the magical kingdom, and if God is going to reach down and put a signpost in the ground for these shepherds, you would think it would be something incredible, like made of the stuff of heaven, right? Right? The sign that he tells them is essentially in our modern context, you're going to go find a baby standing in a doggy bowl. Christmas. <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? And there should be a sense in us where we go, this, it just, this, it's so mundane. In fact, it's not even mundane. It's weird. <laughs> We're looking for a baby in a doggy bowl. Okay, God of the universe. Are you sure? (sighs) If you're like me as an adult, that's Christmas. It's lost its luster. There's something that is mundane, sometimes even weird about it. And I think for Luke, he's going, that's the point. God is coming down. He's meeting us in the dirt and in the dinge. And in the way that he could set up any signpost he wants, he says, if you're going to find me, you're going to find me in the mundane. You're gonna find me in the slightly strange, something that's off. So if I'm gonna put my signpost down, yeah, a manger, a manger will do. That, to Zach, a long time from now, will remind him, yes, the magic kingdom's on fire. It's not the end of the story, we'll keep going. These angels, oh, these guys, Christmas Eve is gonna be a hoot. Please come back, this story is so good. But these angels show up and they sing this song. They say, glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. Holy smokes. (laughs) There's there's two ways to read that as you're looking through what what are they actually meaning. The first is that God only wants peace to be made to some of us. God's peace to those who please him, just to those ones. We're going to side those ones off. If you please God, peace. God's peace is with you. That is the worst possible rendering of that passage you can concoct. That's terrible. (laughs) Because if you're paying attention through Scripture, from Adam and Eve in the garden, God makes humanity, and he doesn't just say it's good. He goes, oh, that one. That one's very good. When he makes his covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament, it's not just for some people. God is so clear. This is for every single person. My promise is to everybody. When you track the story of the Old Testament into the New Testament, God declares over and over and over again, everybody. So when these angels show up, I hope that this strikes you with the sense of a grin. The God of the universe is saying, I want to be at peace with you. You please me. Oh, good news. Did you know, like... To just sit, that's an hour of solitude by yourself when you go home, or when you wake up tomorrow, just to sit in God's pleasure and know that he loves you and that he's at peace with you. These angels, that's what they're singing over who? Shepherds which is another clue. They say, that the angel initially says, this is news for everyone. We're gonna start with the most outcast, the most socially, politically, religiously. It's for everyone. You please God. It does not discount, and we can get into this later, that sin is real, there's brokenness, all that kind of stuff, but at its core of the message from heaven, he's pleased. So, From there, in this scene, we have this mirror effect that's so cool. The angels troop off together up to heaven to go see God, to worship God. And then, again, in this same theme of, and then these shepherds, just go back to the mundane, the shepherds troop off to go see God and to worship God. What a beautiful literary device that he's setting up. And I think one thing that Luke would want us to spot is, heaven. glorious, magical kingdom, shepherds, dirt, and dingy. God is there. Go troop off when you hear this story and go find Jesus. This is where I'll gush about my four-year-old because I think he got it right. What do you do when the magical kingdom is on fire? You go find Mickey Mouse and you give him a hug. Um, Today is sponsored by Disney. Every time I say that, I get $10,000. Disney, Disney. Um, the world's on fire. We can run around screaming, freaking out. You can grab a stick and a marshmallow and just watch it burn and have as much fun as you possibly can. Or you can listen to a really good four-year-old theologian who says, well, what's the point of this whole thing anyway? And it doesn't matter what's wrong. It doesn't matter the dirt and the dinge. It doesn't matter the doggy bowl. It doesn't matter the commonality, what matters. Where's Jesus? I just want to find Jesus that is one of the invitations that Luke starts to bring merry christmas i hope that for some of you who are like christmas is the most joyful and this new pastor stressing me out because this is this is a little gloomy here's the goodness the shepherds they find this baby standing in a doggy bowl no words are exchanged it's a newborn they can't help themselves. It's, it's not like they walk away scratching their heads going, that was strange, or hey, we got some really good stuff out of that. That was really cool. They explode off the page. They left running. They found Mary and Joseph they, um, and the baby, and seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about the child, and all who heard these shepherds were impressed They take off running through town in the Roman Empire saying there's a new king, there's a new king, there's a new king at risk of life and limb because you don't do that in the Roman Empire unless you're talking about Caesar. A kid in a doggy bowl without exchanging a word sends these guys into a place where they're willing to risk their lives to tell everybody the best thing they've ever seen. And in our hall of mirrors, Luke is saying, you want to keep reading the story? Because it's you too. Keep meeting this Jesus even without words exchanged, it's life-changing. Merry Christmas. In the dirt and the dinge of this time of year, in the dirt and the dinge of the magical kingdom being on fire, hope can be found if we go look for Mickey Mouse, Disney Disney. (laughs) But um, it's hard. I think if you're paying attention and if your eyes are open, you see the sirens and you see the security guard and you see the hardship you see the suffering, you see the shadows, you see it. And that's just the world. When you turn your eyes inside, you go, I'm a mess. I don't have this figured out. The older I get, I think that's part of my struggle with Christmas is I'm just, I feel like I'm I'm struggling. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow is one of the best American poets to ever hit. Here's an introduction to Zach. I love poetry, and so we're gonna have some poetry this morning. Um, Some quick updates on Longfellow. So he was really coming into his own during the Civil War era. When he got married, um, he and his his young wife got pregnant, and he actually lost his wife and his baby in a miscarriage, just suffering right out of the gate. He remarried, and two years prior to this poem that we're gonna read this morning, he lost his second wife in a tragic fire at their house. Um, He had some kids, and so a few months prior to this, He woke up one morning, went downstairs um, to get breakfast, and there was a note on his kitchen table from his oldest son saying, we've been fighting about this for months, but I cannot stay at home and watch the Union Army go off to fight the Confederates and just sit here. Dad, I left to join the Army. Broke him, it was his oldest boy. And then a couple months after that, got another note from the US military saying he's been mortally injured. And while he made it, I don't think that he knew that on Christmas morning of 1863. And as I imagine his head space as he's experiencing Christmas, I think he probably walked to church at his little local church that morning. He sat in the pew, he heard a sermon about the hope of Jesus. And as he was walking home, he heard the bells chiming and there was something in him that said, how do I hold the tension between what I'm feeling and what I know to be true? and he wrote this poem. You may have heard this before. It's been turned into a song. Some people leave out the most important parts. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old, familiar carols play, and wild and sweet. The words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's what the angel said. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then, from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. could hear cannon fire from his house often. You can hear the despair of a man who's looking at the magical kingdom on fire going, it's Christmas, it's hard. Life's brutal. Is it worth hoping when the world itself is mocking joy? And then he finishes with a final stanza. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. He gets it. He sits in his seat, not knowing if his son's going to make it, having just lost his wife with a story of pain and suffering. And this is a man that I respect because as he hears the bells that are supposed to remind him of hope, he doesn't just look at the fire and the sirens. He doesn't run around screaming. He doesn't grab a stick and a marshmallow. He goes, where is Jesus? Because the wrong will not prevail. The right will win. Hope, hope, hope hope. It's gritty, and it's meaningful, and it's grown up, and I love it. I don't want to return to the joy of my childhood at Christmas. I'm so glad, and I will treasure that time forever. But I want to be the type of man who looks at Christmas Day like Longfellow does, who's unafraid to see the shadows and the dirt and the dinge and the commonality of it all, and look into it and say, "Ah, I will choose to hope. As we wrap up for this morning, I have two invitations for you if you're with me in this. The first is really easy. It's pull out Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 and read them and see what this God is like. He's lovely. He's incredible. He's powerful. He's gritty. I like him. The second thing we're going to actually do together right now um, if you um, came in this morning, hopefully you got a little cup for communion. I'm going to invite you to pull that out now. Luke in rapid fire says, manger, 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 three times in this chunk of scripture. What's he getting at? I think he wants us to see the doggy bowl. But I think more than that, he's setting up a theme that is going to carry through all of scripture. What exists in a doggy bowl? What exists in a manger? It's food. <laughs> he's saying, look at this boy. He will sustain you. He's food. (laughs) Jesus, when he was with his friends the night before he was about to go to the cross, said the same thing. I'm food, which is so weird, right? But he took a piece of bread and he passed it around and he said, this represents my body. It's about to be broken for you. Every time you do this, remember me. Gosh, there's a grit to this. And then he passed around a cup of wine and he said, every time you drink of this, this represents my blood that's poured out for you. Every time you do this, do this remember me. Oh, he's just in the grime and the dirt of it all. It's common and it's beautiful. If this is your first time being at this church, if this is something that you feel uncomfortable doing, oh my goodness, you have absolute permission to just to just enjoy this time to yourself. But if you're in a spot where you go, I'm in. I want to know this Jesus more. I want to celebrate Christmas. I want the dirt and the dinge and the joy and the hope. Jesus says, "I I will sustain you. So we will receive these elements together. Do this and remember him.